0: Hello and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. After more than 45 days of strikes, workers in France are still furious about President Emmanuel Macron's attack on pensions. His so-called reform would mean work longer, get less. But there's no clear strategy from the leadership of the unions. And there's no clear political alternative to Macron and his politics, including from left-wing political leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon. Understandably, after almost two months of upsurge, the movement is starting to slow down, for the moment. So what happens next? Socialism the podcast was in Paris for events including one of the National Days of Action on the 16th of January. We spoke to a striking teacher and member of Gauche Revolutionnaire, the Socialist Party's sister party in France, about the struggle. This episode of Socialism looks at France. How can the strike win? I'm here in a café in Paris with Virginie Preny, who is a teacher in a school in Paris and who has been on strike as part of the movement against the pension counter-reforms of Emmanuel Macron. And Virginie is going to speak to us about the strikes. Hello Virginie. Hi. So the first question is, why are you on strike?
1: So the strike started because of a so-called reform about the pension system which will result, if it were to be implemented, in a drastic fall in the pensions people will, uh, workers will earn.
0: Okay, and who has been on strike, therefore?
1: So, this reform attacks everyone. I mean, all the workers are really under attack. And And so, public and private. Uh, So a lot of different sectors are on strike the movement started on december the 5th 2019 mainly with a huge day of general strike and then railway workers and metro and bus workers kept on the strike they were then joined by a few teachers and that was it for the first part of the movement until you know, the end-of-year celebrations, Christmas and things. And after this period, so after New Year's celebrations, new sectors came on strike, so more and more teachers, but also civil servants in the city councils, for example, also some workers in the oil industry, port industry, dockers, etc.,
0: Okay, so this has been a strike of about 40 days?
1: Yeah, railway workers and metro bus workers of Paris mainly have been on strike for more than 40 days now. But then in other sectors, the strike hasn't been on indefinite terms for most of them. It's really the railway workers and Parisian transport workers who have kept the strike, yeah, until
0: today. Okay, so the other sectors have mainly been out on the national strikes called by the unions, the one days of action. What's the mood like among the strikers? There must be different moods, I think.
1: Yeah, obviously it's very diverse, but the common point is really the determination which is fueled by the anger at this government, the anger at the way they look down on us, the anger at the way in which they treat us, all the lies that have been uncovered in the last periods, all these ministers who demand us to work more, to earn less, and at the same time, they've been caught red-handed, hiding how much they earn, not paying their taxes, earning... I mean, for example, the minister responsible for the pension reform, he earned more than 20,000 euros a month. Come on. And now he's telling us that pensions are too high, that there is no money, and that we need to cut off our own pensions. So there is a real deep anger.
0: OK, because the movement hasn't won yet. It's been mm-hmm. a long strike, but it also hasn't been defeated yet, you would mm-hmm. say. So you think there is still militancy there?
1: There is still militancy. It's, it's quite incredible. When was it? Two days ago, there was a the huge strikes again all over the country tomorrow another day is cold and next week three other action days so we'll we'll see Mm. and there are actions everywhere every day, it's just incredible today the Louvre museum was blocked by strikers and also because workers of the Louvre were on strike tomorrow the opera dancers and (laughs) musicians who are on strike like we'll organize a concert somewhere you have school blockades road blockades everything that can be blockaded is blockaded at some <laughs> point or the other and the interesting thing is that whenever you have an election meeting by uh, macron's party candidate it is disrupted so all the ministers it was again the case today the minister of for women no or equality between men and women. I don't know what it's called now. Okay. She had an electoral meeting and it was like invaded by strikers and she <laughs> had to leave by back door and all the time they're doing that. Whenever they they pop up on, you know, they go on the marketplace, they will be surrounded by the strikers who are leafletting and things are booed at and they really don't have a rest. Mm. So even the people who who aren't on strike on a day to day basis, they are still acting on different levels.
0: So the most recent development has been that the government has said it is suspending this attack on the pensions, not withdrawing it, only suspending it. And one of the union confederations, the CFDT, which is generally viewed as less radical, has called for negotiations rather than for more strikes. So. What do you think this suspension really represents and what do you think the correct tactic is?
1: The suspension is not really a retreat. It looked like, really, like a prank, like (laughs) an act. No, really, it really looked for workers like an act. I mean, two weeks before the government announced the suspension, they, how do you say, they insisted on this question of at what age you will be allowed to ask for your pension. So they said, okay, this is going to be 64. Mm. That's when you're age 64, you will be allowed to go on pension if you want to. But at the beginning, that question was not even in the reform. Mm. So they added that, knowing that the CFDT, this union, would not agree. Mm-hmm and then they suspended it mm-hmm. so this union came back to the table of negotiation mm-hmm. and they could say look you see we are negotiating we are talking with the uh, unions we respect the union mm-hmm. and the union was also happy to say you see we have an influence on the government uh-huh. very uh, clever very clever but workers they didn't buy it mm. really i in the demonstration everybody was like oh come on we knew we saw it coming two weeks ago so that's like it's a non (laughs) it doesn't exist Okay." okay they said that we don't care because we we knew right from the beginning that It was going to happen so we keep on. They announced it in the middle of a big demonstration which is quite interesting (laughs) Um, and in the demonstrations you had people chanting the slogans we are not suspending Mm -hmm. our movement. You see how workers have some kind of acute consciousness that this government is really like pulling our legs really and So it's a way to try and break the movement, a way to try and, you know... um,
0: Demobilize?
1: Yeah, demobilize some sectors and also isolate the most militant workers, try to stop the politicization that is going on and which the government is aware of. I mean, the bourgeoisie is aware of the radicalization and the politicization that is going on right now. And that's what they fear, really. The CFDT, in many movements, they've always had the strategy of negotiating until there is nothing. In whatever circumstances, they will negotiate, they will write even the laws and the reforms with the government if they can. They gave propositions to the government on how they can uh, make, the attacks. Yeah, make the attacks, which is just incredible. For example, now on the pension reforms, they're explaining how it will be possible to fund a new pension system without taking on the boss's profits, really. So it's, it's really crazy. And they're in big trouble inside their own ranks now, it mm. seems. There uh, was a
0: demonstration in the headquarters today, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, maybe. It's most, not the most important thing to do. Okay. The most important thing to do would be to discuss and call to the rank and file of the CFDT. Many of them don't agree with what their leadership is doing. So the right tactics would be to, instead of being sectarian against the union and considering that all the workers... Think the same as the leader. Maybe we should call on these workers, these rank-and-file unionists and, and tell them, okay, now look at what your leader is doing. You don't have to accept this. Come with us. If you think that we should strike now,
0: It now is the time. Well, that leads us on to our next question then. Mm-hmm. Talking about these questions of tactics and strategy, what are the next steps which are needed for this strike to win?
1: I mean, There are different questions. There's the question of how do we generalize the strike? We have a massive strike, but we also know that it's mainly in the public sector for the moment, that there are some sectors of some industries and workplaces in the private sector who are joining in. But really the question is how do we reach to all these people who support the movement, 61% support the movement, so they support, but they're not on strike. So that's really the question now, how do we do that? And I think that maybe the thing is about the political content, the demands, what demands do we put forward? Because for many workers, their wages are already so low their living conditions are so difficult that they think, okay, this pension thing, anyway, either I die before I can get it, or I earn so little that I'm not even sure I can claim a pension when I'm 64. Maybe I'll have to work until I'm 70, and then I'll die and I won't have a pension. And really, a lot of workers They're so entangled into debt, into low wages, hard living conditions that even if they see the attack it represents, they don't think that withdrawing this attack only will make their Actual life, their current life better. So, why would they fight? Yeah. So, now the question is really how do we explain and develop demands that link this question of the pension reforms to all the other attacks that were passed before and the real workers' conditions? So, on wages housing public sectors education health etc how do we explain that how do we put that in balance with all the all the money that was given to top executives to all the top multinationals etc all this money was taken from the social security system, and that's why there is a problem of deficit. (laughs) If these people, these firms, really contributed to the level they should, there won't be a problem, there won't be an issue about the budget of the social security. So we have to explain that and also put forward I was going to say positive demands. What do we fight for? We fight for, obviously, we have demands about the pensions. Mm -hmm. think that after 37 years of work, when you're age 60, you should be entitled to a full pension right. Mm -hmm. We think that wages, there shouldn't be wages under 1,500 euros. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think that the working hours should be reduced so that an employed can have a job. Uh, we, of pain. Yeah. We think that education should be free mm-hmm. and a quality education for all, that there should be less students in the classes, that health should be free and for all, that hospitals shouldn't be closed, they should be funded properly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We can put forward the first steps towards a political system in favor of the workers. What could it look like? What demands can we put forward? And what kind of government do we need in order to implement such policies? Obviously, the bosses don't want to give up on their profit, so these firms should be nationalized under workers' control. And then, We can produce, because we know how to produce, because we work in there. (laughs) We can produce in the interest of the workers, and we can use that production in order to improve our conditions of life. And all this... That question of the need for a Workers' Party with a fighting programme, the need for a workers' government, are subjects that are quite easy to discuss today in the demonstrations. Workers are experiencing a lot in that movement. Difficult to say whether we'll be able, in the short term, to win that battle. But actually, the government has already lost because they had to retreat, even if it's a minor retreat. They didn't plan on that, uh, actually. They didn't expect such a huge resistance. So we've already won that. They're shattered, really. They're really anxious <laughs> about what's going on. And even if the movement stopped today, I think there is still a possibility to start again because we already know what other attacks are ahead of us. For example, in the education, there's a new system and new exams and a new program which are extremely unfair, especially on working class students and which will worsen the inequalities between students. And there's a possibility that this attack will give birth to another movement and questioning also what we study, how do we study it, what we teach, how do we teach it, what are the necessary conditions to reduce inequalities. And all this is basically very political and I think that the experience of the movement is helping more and more workers to question not only the government, but also the whole economic and social system, and that's something we need to work on.
0: So this would be something that could start to draw in some of the other movements that we already have in France, the Gilets Jaunes, could also take up some of the other issues we've seen on the demonstrations, like the extreme police repression, particularly the Gilets jaunes, although also sometimes at the trade union demonstrations, questions of racism, the questions in education, as you said, that the strike should be taking up these demands, but also against the government itself and the system behind it. Now, we were talking earlier, and I mentioned to you, I spoke on a local trade union demonstration in a suburb of Paris earlier today, Bringing solidarity from the Committee for a Workers' International. And I mentioned some of Gauche Revolutionnaire's demands, the sister party of the Socialist Party in France, Gauche Revolutionnaire, including for. General assemblies in all of the workplaces to start to discuss how to broaden out the strike, these demands that you mentioned to start to develop those demands, but also for developing this general strike, which you've mentioned is necessary, but a general strike to get rid of Macron and all of his politics. That's one of Gaucher Revolutionnaire's demands, that it's not just about this reform, it's about the government and the system. And that went down really well. It was very popular on the demonstration with the striking workers. However, The slogans and the chants which the trade union was leading on that demonstration and the national one that we were on the day before, they were all against the reform. None of them were against Macron, none of them were against the government. So this question of the trade union starting to take political action is very important. You can say a bit more on that if you want to. But then tactically, this question of how you start to organise that struggle given that the trade union leadership does not appear to be giving much of a lead. Could you say a bit about that as well, maybe?
1: Yeah, for the moment, the strike really relies on the workers' determination. And obviously because the unions haven't been organising prior to that movement much... There are some weaknesses in the movement, in terms of demands, in terms of democratic organization. And obviously there is a need now to tackle these weaknesses, to address these weaknesses. And what we're doing as Gauche Revolutionnaire and the comrades who are involved in the strike is to explain tirelessly and I would say uh, patiently, what is possible, how it is possible, why do we need general assemblies of strikers every day, why do we need that these general assemblies are not just discussions but also decisive bodies, why do we need to elect representatives who then would come back to the workers and I mean, and be be, yeah, be answerable for their actions, etc. So that's a work we're doing, a work that is necessary. There are a lot of, I would say, workers' traditions that have been lost really in the last period, and that workers are again experiences, but they need to experience it to realize that okay maybe we need to do this differently because it's not working for example when you're on strike going to your next door workplace next door school or next door firm call to the workers have a leaflet discuss with people on why you are on strike why they should join etc this is a work that needs patience, and, I mean, it's not always easy to do it, but you need to do that. So, there's, yeah, there's a start of reflection about that among workers on how we can be more efficient also, how we can be more democratic also. And, moreover, there is this question, this political question. It's quite interesting to see that workers instinctively understand many things because of the way that they're working and living conditions. For example, one of the most popular slogan in the strikes is Macron is the boss's president, for example, because it rhymes. Yeah, Macron, president des patrons. It's very popular. Mm-hmm. The slogan and the chant All together, for a general strike, Tous Ensemble, Greve Générale, sometimes it's chanted a lot and at other times a little bit less. This week it was more on the rise, but at the same time it's, for the moment, only seen as a slogan. Mm. It lacks, for the moment, the really revolutionary energy, you see, behind it, but It is seen very positively. Workers understand that if we want to get rid of Macron, there need to be a general strike, that only a general strike can help us get rid of Macron. But then immediately the question arises, who do we replace him with? (laughs) And what kind of system, what kind of government? And there is no answer to that, not the least beginning of an answer. And that's our really big problem. I think the main reason why the strike is coming to a like a halt, if you want, is that question, that political question. If we get rid of him, what do we do? And there are no political representative workers can trust on that question. Even if Mélenchon had some good publicity and good votes in the last election, still his positions, his political positions during the movement have not helped to politicize the movement, give it a political strategy. He was just in support was saying, okay, there is a difference between the social movement and the political movement. It's not my place or it's not my responsibility to, you know, to teach workers what they should do. But come on, (laughs) you're a politician. Your role is to give a strategy to tell us what we can do, what is possible. What do you propose? Mm. And he was like, no, there's a need for a general strike but it's not mine to decide. It's the unions and the workers to decide how they want to do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so obviously, this is not helping. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Revolutionaire does help. an but
1: Yeah, we do have an answer. And as I was saying, we've had great sales of the papers, L'Egalité. And really good discussions on the general strike and the revolution and the need for a workers' party. All this is, as I was saying earlier, very easy to discuss. I was surprised myself how easy it is to discuss this and to sell the paper. So now we have to build our own forces if we want to be stronger in the unions in order to be able really to challenge at some point the leadership of the unions. So the workers can have fighting democratic unions.
0: And just on that point, we were talking earlier about the General Assemblies, and for people listening who don't have the tradition of a General Assembly, it's a meeting of all the workers in that workplace to discuss the strategy to elect representatives and so on. So it's a democratic body of struggle for a strike but there have been meetings which call themselves General Assemblies, which have taken place, which have set themselves up, you said, I think, against the structures of the unions. Could you say some more about that?
1: Yeah. So I'm a teacher in Paris, mainly in Paris. There's been, I would call that more collective or something like that, calling itself Assemblée Générale de l'Éducation, General Assembly of Education, but which is actually composed of workers from the education sector who had to fight the two previous years and this year again against the attacks against education. So they organized themselves with regular meeting to discuss demands and strategy, etc. because the unions in the education sector are Extremely, I would say, not active. <laughs> I can't find the word. Sorry, but yes, they really don't propose anything. They're just like, okay, there's, this point is correct in the reform. We need to fight against this one, but okay, we're issuing a petition online, obviously, <laughs> and we're going to negotiate with the government, and we'll tell you and. Then there's another petition and another round of negotiation and nothing really happens. And once every term, there is one day of strike for the education and that's it. Mm. So obviously there is a legitimate anger at the way the union in the education sector don't organize anything to help us protect our work, fight against all the attacks. The problem of the collective calling itself General Assembly is that they call themselves General Assembly, which they are not. And now, for example, workers in my place who are influenced by this tendency, they have a wrong appreciation of what a General Assembly is, and they have even a negative Uh, appreciation of that. They feel like a General Assembly is the place where workers or people talk and talk and talk and talk endlessly, Mm. and it doesn't give anything. It doesn't lead anywhere. Uh And I've had quite difficulty to have real General Assemblies organized in my workplace really because of that, only because of that, because then when I talk with my colleagues of why, you know, individually why we should have these general assemblies, how it would help us to make collective decisions, which is important because if you don't do that, then each individual worker is left on his own or her own to decide whether he or she will be on strike, whether he or she will answer that email from the management who is trying to pressurize us, of course. And for the moment, I haven't really succeeded in <laughs> implementing that. But as I was saying earlier, workers are also experiencing And little by little, some colleagues have told me, maybe you're right, we should have more meetings because it's difficult. WhatsApp is not enough to discuss, to have discussions, obviously, (laughs) and to have decisions and to have collective decisions. So it's improving, but it takes time. It takes time. And the other problem with that collective, which calls itself General Assembly, is also that... But when I went to a meeting, I knew some people there and I know that some of them had positions in unions. They are members of unions, definitely. But first, they never say which union they're from. So nobody knows. It's like nobody is member of no union. Even if I know for sure that some of them even have positions in the union. So first thing, and then they have completely abandoned the idea of fighting within a union and challenging the leadership. And that's, I think, is a serious mistake because what's going on now is that even if they have some influence now because the political vacuum is so huge that there is a need for something more radical, more militant, which they are, or they look like with, I mean, some good chance dynamic slogans and things like that They're so not very democratic. but not very democratic but obviously they attract people who want something more radical and obviously the unions in the demonstration the chants and the demands and the slogans are very you know slow and not engaging and like we're still in the 1930s, so... No, but that's the thing. The leadership is aging in a way, and the younger people, they want to dance and chant, and at the same time, having radical slogans. So they are attracted by these people. But at the end of the day, it's still the unions who control the agenda, who go and negotiate with the government, who say if there will be a day of strike or not, if there will be just a march or just... They're still holding the agenda. They're still controlling. Yeah, of course. So it's kind of childish to think that with maybe 1,000 people, with a loose organization, that you can challenge the union. So I think that this force should be used to organize a fighting tendency within the union, saying, okay, now we don't want that leadership anymore. We think that there's nothing to negotiate, that you shouldn't be spend all your time negotiating with the government. You should organize a real democratic strike that we should discuss I mean, we should have a more democratic union where the rank and file have their words to say on the decisions, on the demands, on the way the union works, etc. That's something we have to challenge the leadership of your unions. We can't let them just do their business as usual. Now, of course, the unions may look radical from the outside, but they are actually not proposing a strategy for the strike. They are just following up. Okay, workers are on strike so we're just behind and it's it's really that. They're just behind and when the movement will retreat because after 40, 50, 60 days without nothing, people will go back to work at some point. The unions will say okay, we've tried but we've lost and that's life. <laughs> so It's really urgent now that we reclaim our unions, and that's also part of the work Gauche Revolutionnaire is trying to do. We're also trying to build the unions. Uh, We're trying to, of course, recruit to Gauche Revolutionnaire, but we're also trying to build the unions on. fighting democratic program with a strategy for the strike, arming the workers so they can intervene within the union, organize other workers, and try to eventually, obviously that won't be tomorrow, but eventually be in a position where we can have fighting democratic unions. Virginie, merci beaucoup. Thanks a lot. Merci.
0: And although Britain isn't in the grip of a strike wave like France's, yet workers are fighting back over here as well. Here's Helen Patterson, a socialist party organizer in London, talking to a striking security guard at St George's Hospital in South London. We're here at the St George's Hospital picket line and a striking security staff member is going to tell us why he's on strike.
1: So we are working in uh, Saint George's University of London as a security officers. We are not getting equal pay, equal right, or pension, or sick leave as like other employees of this university. We are striking for equal right, equal uh, benefit, and equal treatment from the university. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party, the England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. This week we heard from Virginie Premy and I'm James Ivans. If you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for, we need you. Join our campaign to build a truly effective working class fighting force in the trade union and labour movement. Join the Socialist Party now. You can send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. Pour lire plus sur Gauche Revolutionnaire et pour rejoigner, visitez gaucherevolutionnaire.fr. To read the latest from Gauche Revolutionnaire and find out about joining, visit the website g-a-u-c-h-e-r-e-v-o-l-u-t-i-o-n-a-i-r-e dot f-r. And if you live outside England, Wales or France and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. Help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribing so you don't miss out. And don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. We want you to send us recordings from picket lines and campaigns and reports of your activity. And we want your questions, comments and ideas for future episodes. Email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Socialism the podcast has no wealthy backers. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people and we're proud of the political independence that gives us. If you like what you hear, help us take the fight to big business. You can make a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. Till next time, solidarity.